Welcome to the Thomas Coffee Metal Podcast, episode 10. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. This week I'm talking to Dave Jordan. I've known Dave for quite a while and it's always fun to get a chance to talk to him. Dave's done a lot of great work in comics from his Slice of Life series, Where Do We Go From Here? His anthropomorphic detective myths, his Thor pastiche slash Jack Kirby homage Valk, and now, most recently, his really cool and dark and slightly disturbing heavy metal drawings. From his Grim Reaper series to his more current series, which I don't think has a name, but if you like drippy skulls and creepy artwork, this is definitely for you. I've been wanting to talk to Dave about what's kind of led him from his comics to these illustrations and what's in the future with his comic work because I know he's always got something brewing and I'm really excited to see what he has coming next. So let's jump in. So Dave, uh, one of the most interesting like shifts in terms of artwork and production from my friends is what you've been doing lately. And that's kind of going from these personal mini comics and these kind of out there comics as well, like Valk or Mitz. And you've kind of gotten into this almost, you know, graphic design uh, career doing these heavy metal logos. And <laughs> most recently you did one for, you know, writer Donnie Cates fan club. Yes. The uh, advocates. Uh, how'd that come about? Um, well, actually, so yeah, I've known Donnie for years. Um, we first met when he, I mean, I, I don't even know if he had a book out, but he used to just go to comic conventions and just walk around. Um, so we met, I'm pretty sure at a C2E2 um, many years ago. And, you know, we just kind of had a casual, you know, hey, dude, how's it going? Kind of thing, you know, every time we would see each other. And, you know, we might hang out like one night after the show or something, that kind of thing. We, you know, we were, you know, acquaintances. Um, and a, I guess it was two years ago at Memphis Comic Expo, which is a really good show, but it's very small. Um, I happened to be there, and Donnie and his then fiance Megan were also there. Um, and I had kind of just started to do more of like the skulls and the merch stuff. Mm -hmm. And at my table, I had the Crunchwrap Supreme shirt. Yeah. And the ritual shirt which is the the deer skull yeah that one's really nice thanks man and um megan really she just was walking around i was i was weirdly i was seated kind of across from the green room so i think maybe what had happened is they had gotten a snack and megan came out first or something but basically megan came over to the table she was just kind of she really liked the shirt um and you know, then Donnie came out of the green room and came over and he was like, oh, hey, man. And, you know, we had our little catch up and um, she was so into the shirt that they, you know, she bought the shirt. But then they actually also bought the original art for that oh, shirt. Cool. Um, and then 
since Memphis is such a small show, pretty much, you know, the dozen, 15 comic creators that knew each other, we all hung out after the show and we did this ghost tour and everything. So, you know, having already known Donnie, I got to become friends with Megan and all this. And um, we just kind of kept in touch a little bit here and there. And um, basically, Megan just approached me um, to do this logo. I think I had posted a logo that I had done for a band. And she saw that, liked it, and just kind of asked, you know, like, is this something that you do freelances? Would you be interested to, like, do something for you know, the devil's advocates, like Donnie's fan club. And, um, you know, being friends, I was all about it. Um, I love doing the work anyway. Um, so even if it was a stranger, I still would have agreed, I'm sure. But, you know, it, it's always more fun to do it with somebody that you can kind of work with because you already have a little bit of a relationship. Yeah. Um, and so I did that, like, I don't know, probably like six months ago. And, it's been real hard to not talk about it before they <laughs> announced it. Cause I, was, I, I really liked it and it was, it was a lot of fun because, you know, um, th- both of them and Megan certainly, and I, we have a very similar sensibility. Um, we even have like similar tattoos and stuff. So I was just kind of like, you know, I want to check, but you know, I'm pretty sure you guys wouldn't mind if like, I made the O into a pentagram and turned the T into an upside down cross. And she was like, yes, no more pentagrams, (laughs) upside down crosses. Let's do this. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, it's not uh, a super glamorous or exciting story necessarily, you know, and just kind of became friends and they needed some work done. So, you know, that's, no, it's, I I think it's really cool because, when they when they announced it and all that, I didn't even see that you did it. I just saw the design, and I got at first I was like, "Well, so, someone's ripping off Dave," because like that looked <laughs> just like what you did. And then you know I actually read what they posted, and I'm like, "Oh shit, it's Dave! Awesome!" Yeah. And yeah. then I'm like, thinking, I'm like, "Well, yeah, this is kind of like a perfect fit." Because what I know of Donnie and, you know, again, like, you know, you guys have like, you know, in the Venn diagram of interest and all that, you guys seem to have a lot of overlap. So yeah, it made, it made yeah. like perfect sense to me. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. That's so awesome. Especially since like, I remember when we first met on the uh, EOC uh, 11 o'clock comics forums. Yeah. Uh, and then more so on Twitter, you know, I remember DMing you like when you were like, you were like just getting back into making art. And you're like, what about these pens? What about these pens? And, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I just, you know, I kind of like, you know, I've had conversations with people in various degrees about, you know, like their emergence in certain things and all that and just seeing where they're at now. And it's like, it's just so awesome to kind of see like the direction you've taken and how you've kind of found not necessarily your, your comfort zone, but you found like what seems to suit you really well and what you seem to do really well, which is, you know, these death metal logos and, (laughs) you know, though some may say they're still too legible. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, so that's, that's the interesting thing is I, I actually have done a couple that are illegible. 
um, at, at the direction of the, the client. Oh yeah, right? of course. Um, but the, the interesting twist about it is that most of the ones I've done haven't been for bands. They've been for just kind of fans of the work who own their own business or whatever it might be. And it's not actually specifically metal related. Um, yeah, like didn't I, you do one as like a, a electrician or something or? Something? Uh, yeah. So a, f- a friend of mine in town, he he is an electrician, but like his main business is um, like amp repair. You know, like guitar amps. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah. But his yeah, it's Caldera Electronics. So I did I did that one. Um, a buddy of mine used to own the local music around franchise. I don't know if you guys have music arounds in Chicago. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. We there. I don't know if they're still around, but okay. When I still lived in Chicago, there were a few still. Yeah. So for the listener, music arounds are basically a chain of um, used musical instrument stores. Um, so like a, a franchise pawn shop, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I did the 20th anniversary shirt for the Albuquerque Music Around branch. Um, I did one for this like weird tech consulting firm based in San Francisco. Um, To be perfectly clear, I don't even totally understand what that guy does. But, (laughs) you know, he saw the work and he was like, I want this for for my company okay you know i did one freelance for just a uh like a a writer i think he's a writer but he works for cartoon network or something like that i think it's cartoon network and he was just like i want a metal logo of my name for my business card that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) right but so the flip side of those people is like they actually do want them to be a little bit more legible because they are actually being used as marketing. Yeah. Um, which is just kind of interesting because, like, I'll go nuts and I'll make them totally illegible. <laughs> but so most of the I, time, I, the people do kind of want me to, like, keep them a little bit more on the readable side. I do have a question about the illegible ones. Yeah. Do you start with it being legible and you just slowly work it until it's not? Or is it just kind of like free forming it until um you, you think you can see the 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 name? <laughs> no, I I don't think I could ever do that. I I do need to sketch them out a little bit. Like, I need to have some sort of a plan because one thing I learned really quickly is that, like anything, it is kind of a skill and it's a muscle and you do kind of need to practice. And one thing I learned is that, like, balance is really important. Um, you know, you you look at a lot of metal logos and they're not necessarily totally symmetrical but they're pretty symmetrical and they're very evenly weighted um you know frequently on the ends they're bigger you know the tails Mm -hmm. go up whatever it might be so 
I, I always do need to sketch it out. I need to plan it out. I usually do like a little bit of a sketch on a post-it note just to kind of get the shape I want in place. And then before like moving to the full size, but they all pretty much start legible. And then, yeah, I just kind of push them and push them until I feel like they've hit the right place. Awesome. Yeah, it's 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 uh, not an easy thing to try, even just doodling around or anything like that. You learn quickly, like, oh, there is, like, an art to this kind of chaotic. Yeah, yeah. Because you can, I mean, you, you could easily push one area too far, and then mm-hmm. it doesn't fit the rest of the logo, or, you know, and depending on the the name, the title that you're working with, the style does kind of have to fit with the, the, the name, with the word a little bit. Um, that's a little bit more flexible, but that is definitely something that like, you kind of have to learn just by doing, you know, do one that like, cause I've done some that I just scrapped cause I, you know, I finished them and I was just like, this just doesn't look right. As you hear it, mm-hmm. a word or a name and you kind of can picture it, what it might look like. And sometimes it just doesn't, it just doesn't translate if you try and work it in a weird way. Like a lot of things, if you work something, if you think about something too hard, you kind of lose the the flow of it. You yeah. Know? So if you try and do a logo in a way that's like, I'm going to try and do something really interesting and different with this one it almost never works you just it's one of those instinctual things you gotta kind of just which, with which it. can you apply to basically all art you know yeah. whenever you're like i'm gonna do this really cool interesting layout on this page or and then just ends up being like no i should just did a grid <laughs> <laughs> that just doesn't yeah. make any sense yeah that's true uh yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't argue with that. <laughs> yeah, so instincts I, are top almost these, always right. Yeah, so on top of these logos that you've been doing and are, are commissioned to do and all that, you've also kind of, I guess, pivoted a little bit into these darker illustrations, these, you know, kind of like ghouls and skulls and kind of, you know, just stark black and white mm-hmm. illustrations. Yeah. And coming from you know from where you started getting back into art from you know your uh, series where do we go from here from that the thor um kind of uh i don't want to say pastiche that seems kind of no no that's totally fair you know Valk, <laughs> which was which was yeah. a lot you know which was like a you know a love letter to like kirby crazy cosmic oh yeah yeah thor stuff or you know your feline detective myths Mm-hmm. going into this it seems like kind of like if if you didn't if we didn't know you or if i didn't know you it would seem like a really weird pivot <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but knowing knowing what i know about you and and your interests and things like that you know it, it, i i can i can see some through lines but for others like what what was kind of like the progression to lead into kind of like get into these things is it just was it something natural or is it something like i kind of have these images and i i need to do these before I kind of like get back to doing anything more, I guess, lighthearted or at least sure. realistic or 
Um, it was, it's a little bit of both, actually. Um, I've always really, really liked darker artwork. Um, I mean, even going back to, like, when I was studying art in college, like, I always kind of gravitated towards stuff like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, with the artist Kathy Colwitz. No, I'm not. Okay, so, well, she did these very kind of, um dark um pencil and graphite drawings but they're all kind of um they're of like these weird kind of almost ethereal um portrayals of death like grabbing people and stuff like that and this is really like sad and emotional and very powerful stuff um and i've always kind of gravitated towards that i've always had a weird a place in my heart for like the darker side of uh artistic expression i guess um and you know the exact uh, timeline of these things is uh i don't know that i can actually tell you exactly where all this stuff came from but um i basically hit a period of um, we'll call it like a a lack of productivity. Um, you know, before we started, you you and I were talking about how I I did kind of come off this year year and a half where I was basically just like extremely prolific. Like I did a a ton of pages and I released a lot of books. Um, and then things in my life kind of um, really started to uh, explode. And as a result, um, my work situation changed drastically. And I was no longer super productive. And I didn't have a clear path as to what I was going to do. I had kind of a, a couple of projects that were like half done and kind of in the works and not necessarily feeling super good about really getting into those because things had changed kind of internally for me so much that I didn't know how comfortable I would really be jumping into these things. Um, and somewhere around that time, I remember having this thought process and and maybe even a conversation with somebody about it, but basically being like, I love all this like dark artwork. I love, you know, skulls and metal and all this stuff. And, and I was like, but I don't do that. Like, I just don't do it. And I, I distinctly remember being like, well, the only reason I don't do it is just because I just don't do it. Like I'm an artist, you know, if I want to do this, just like anything else, like, when I started making comics, I mean, you, you know this, like, my work at the very beginning was not that great, <laughs> you know, because I hadn't developed, well, no I hadn't developed the yeah. muscle, you know, so I basically was just like, if I want to do this, I just have to start doing it, mm-hmm. and the, the first kind of forays into it aren't going to be exactly what I want. They're not going to be exactly where I end up, and I know that. Um, 
But, you know, just like anything else, if I want to get good at this, if I want to produce this kind of work more, I just have to do it, you know. So I started doing the Grim Reapers, um, which was a a pretty big turning point for me. Um, But even the first couple of those, I was not sure what they were, you know. Like, they were basically just black blobs with a skull drawing, which was very different from what they became, which were these kind of, like, you know, more expressionistic, like, lots of splatter and um, implied shapes and stuff like that, rather than, like, just a black blob that looked like a cloak or whatever. Um, But that was really, like, a turning point for me, because... I also kind of feel like people can tell when you're doing work that you're really passionate about and that you're really excited about and that you're really feeling. I think it comes through in the work. Um, And it's kind of, you know, in line with what you mentioned in that, like, you know me. So, like, when I kind of started shifting into this, it wasn't that much of a surprise because it's not it's a fairly natural fit for me as a person to create this kind of work. And while I certainly had people that were fans of my comics and very, very grateful to all those people and all the support that they've given me over the years, as soon as I started doing work like this, it was like night and day, people started to like be excited by the work. Which you know, as an artist, feeds right back into the work. Yes, definitely. So, you know, I started doing these things, and people were, like, obviously very excited that I was doing this. And I think in some ways, you know, surprised, because I had just kind of done, you know, Slice of Life comics, obviously, Mitz, Valk, like, and I loved doing those projects, and, um, you know, someday I'd like to get back to doing more of that stuff. But it is hard to ignore the fact that, like, you know, I started doing this work and people started to pay attention to it. And that's not to say that, like, I'm doing this so people can pay attention to it because I'm doing it because I love doing it. Like, it's real fun to draw corpses (laughs) (laughs) and skeletons and dripping things and dark things and gross things, like, it is really fun to do it. Um, totally. And but not and not that it's a measure of success or quality at all, but you know, since I started doing this like darker stuff, like my Instagram following has like tripled. Um, you know, my Twitter following has has gone up. Um, I've made you know, I've I've started doing band merchandise. I've started doing album covers you know you already mentioned the logos like that kind of goes right into it you know i'm I'm doing freelance logos for people and um it is hard to not wrap that kind of uh public attention into the success of the like the the feeling of personal success. Oh no, it it's it, you know I, mean? I could I could totally understand where you're coming from where 
you have something, you know, and I'm sure completely unexpected to you that it kind of took off the way it did. Um, yeah. From an outsider's perspective myself, I can see, I can see why, because that kind of imagery, that kind of work, I think it crosses all kinds of boundaries for people, you know, and I kind of, you know, and I think I kind of spoke with uh, Brian level a little bit about this last episode where it's this kind of, it, it hits more people than we think in a certain way then mm-hmm. not, not just metal mm-hmm. people, you know, yeah, yeah not no, just, sure. you know, it, it, it just expands. But on the flip side, you know, I think it also opened up a lot of people to you. And I don't know if you've seen any people like kind of go back to stuff. I don't know what, if your stuff's available, your older stuff is available for others. Unless you've seen mm-hmm. any kind of correlation with people going back and, Maybe checking out, you know, a PDF of Valk or or anything. Yeah, like um, a little bit, not a ton, to be perfectly honest. Um, I do think, though, if with the with having an expanded audience now, if you're going to be going back to stuff like that, I think right. you'll definitely see an uptick. It may not match the same, may not be a one for one ratio, but you know, versus the response before this i definitely think because i think as you've been doing this for a while now and i think people are you know less not that it's not you know great work less you know like fans of particular work and more fans of dave Mm, mm -hmm, mm. you know and kind of cultivating Uh, that and having that kind of uh you know fan base that you can start right. you know when eventually you do feel comfortable getting back to these other things i think you're going to see some some uh success or more success you might be right i i don't yeah i don't know um it's hard to say because uh i've always since my comic work was pretty varied um i certainly had my supporters and a lot of them were be- friends or became friends um but I could always kind of tell when somebody was a fan of one of my things. Like, just because somebody was a fan of Sad Man yeah. did not mean that they were going to translate to being a fan of one of the other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's really kind of hard to say. You might be very right. Um, but I might also, you know, put out another comic and be like hey everybody i've got a new comic and people will be like eh get back to the corpses <laughs> you know <laughs> well, um it remains to be seen in, but in i mean all you fairness, know, fact- that's kind of comics in general though <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh sure that's true uh so i don't know we'll see uh hopefully the people that did or do really like my comics will still be there when I get back to them, you know? And I mean, like I didn't leave comics. I'm still doing some. It's just my productivity has shifted and the amount of comics that I've worked on in the past, you know, couple of years has dropped down significantly kind of in lieu of this other, just more illustrative work. 
Well, I think, you know, as someone who's a fan of your comics and knowing other fans of your comics, I think this, as much as we would, you know, I would love to see another issue of Valk or, you know, something else from like the years, you know, the way you do a slice of life story or, you know, something with myths or, you know, anything else. I'm also, you know, completely understanding and like, as an artist, you need, you need to like follow the paths that you need to follow to, you know, become better, become more confident, become more rounded as an artist. Sure. As yeah. someone who you know, can say like, I've gone down the wrong paths a few times, you know, and someone who feels like he's finally starting to course correct, you know, I can say from that perspective that it's it's all completely necessary though because when you do right. get back to that it's just it's going to be so much stronger it's just going to it's going to hit a lot differently but better i think right yeah because, i hope so you know i i keep bringing up volk just because it's probably one of my favorite things you've done <laughs> but it was like, one of my favorite things that i've done too <laughs> you know you were very much doing a, a jack kirby by way of dave jordan yeah. Um, but I think if you've taken, you know, how you've grown now and apply that, and I know you kind of discussed how it wouldn't be, I think you're, uh, hopefully I'm not spoiling anything, but you're kind of thinking like maybe doing like a more Walter Simonson inspired right. kind yeah. of look and things yeah. like that. You know, I think the Dave now would do that, you know, a lot better than the Dave a couple of years ago who did the first Valk. Yeah, you might be right. I mean, it, you know, it like you said, it's all kind of part of the artistic path, right? And yeah. and you know, you said you've taken a couple of wrong steps along the way, and I think everybody has, right? I mean, we all as artists, we're always taking in things and everything we take in is an influence in some way or another, certainly if we respond to it. So, you know, um, pretty much everybody sees an artist, uh, and it could be anybody, right? Like, uh, somebody sees Chris Somney and they're like, shit, this Somney guy is amazing. I want to do that. But the fact of the matter is, is, you know, almost nobody can. No. But, you know, we kind of take that in. We might even try and do it. We might try and emulate it. And it might not click, but we still hopefully learn lessons from it. And it shapes our actual artistic output that is more in line with our actual voice, you know, just through the process. Um, And, you know, Valk is a good example because I was very, very clearly just doing my best Kirby. It was still very much me, but it was me trying to do Kirby. And I learned from that, you know. And, I I mean, as you know, for the listeners out there, I'm a ridiculous Kirby mark. Like, I have a Kirby tattoo. I have, you know, a bookshelf full of books. I have just, I'm, it's ridiculous, right? I so, still remember the Kirby hands tumbler you had. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> See? I, I didn't even remember that I didn't <laughs> in talking about it. But yeah, I ran a, a Tumblr that was just pictures of hands that Kirby drew. And like, so, but in doing Valk 
and like doing my best to emulate Kirby in that way, I did learn lessons. Do I draw like Kirby now? No, of course not. Nobody does and nobody ever will. But we learn things from then. And I think that that was a good step forward for me. But for somebody else trying to do something like that might be a step down the wrong direction. And they might not develop in the way that they want, you know. No, I, and um, I think an so in like taking this, though. yeah, taking the sidestep to like the more metal stuff, the more darker stuff. It's it's just more in the path, you know, it's more in the development. Like when I go back and draw some stuff that's not corpses and decaying things and all that stuff. I've t- I take some of those lessons that I learned with me, but it still looks like me you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah i think the important distinction is the you know you're kind of following where you feel you need to go right as and opposed where to I, where i want following to go. where you think you should be going yeah yeah absolutely which, you know is you know which was which, which was my my error in judgment several times over so yeah, you know, really just embracing the, this is where I feel like my art's going. I'm gonna go for it, you know. And you're you're you know, <laughs> you're reaping the rewards, um, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> wah, wah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, you know, uh, it's it's a. I think it's a confluence of like where the art is going and just leaning into it and following it. But also, it is where I want the art to go. It just so happens that like this is a situation where like for whatever reason i do seem to have the aptitude or the hand for pushing my art in this direction like it's not it hasn't turned out to be a misstep it was a a step in a direction at one point but it's it has paid off awesome so not not only do you, you know, hold on, edit time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no edits. Uh, fine. I'm not going to edit this out just for you, Dave. I'm not going to edit this out. Just don't listen back to it. Just trust me that I don't edit this out. Um, all right. So not only are you an artist of many comics and gory illustrations and death metal logos you're also a musician and i've always you know been kind of astounded by how like filthy comic creators are with musicians like oh yeah you can't throw a rock without hitting an artist or a writer or you know a colorist or someone who's also a musician like the previously mentioned donny cates he's a drummer um, mm-hmm. you know, there's, you know, everyone from like Greg Capullo to Ben Dewey to, uh, I hope I'm getting the right person, Joe Casey to, you know, everyone's like, there's musicians just everywhere. And I've always been really attracted to the melding of like comics and music. And I've always, I've, you know, always kind of want to ask this of, you know, comic musicians, like, have you ever is there 
you know, a project you could see yourself doing where it's like, oh, I also like wrote an EP to go with this crazy thing. Perhaps this, you know, or uh, something like that. Like, you know, making your own little soundtracks or anything like that. Um, or is it something it, like they scratch different itches in your brain and they don't really overlap too much? For me, they scratch different itches, for sure. Um, I mean, you are absolutely right. I think for a lot of people, um, I, I see a lot of crossover between like the hardcore and punk scenes and comics. Um, not just musicians, like there's obviously a ton of musicians, but certainly if people of our general age, 30s, 40s, who came up in the punk scene, like there is a work ethic and an attitude of real, you know, um, a DIY-centric attitude that we all seem to have where, I mean you know, we can attribute it to Fugazi, right? Who is just like, they wanted to do something, so they did it. Um, we wanted to make comics, so we did it, you know? Um, who cares if our comics aren't getting put out by Marvel or DC? We're making comics, so we're putting them yeah. out, right? We're doing what needs to get done to, to get them out. Um, for me, it's, it, it, they, I think they really do scratch different itches, um, I have certainly done artwork for some of my bands, um, you know, design merch and stuff like that, but I don't, that's an interesting question because yeah, you, you've done music and art kind of synergy things. Um, you know, Tyler Crook did a soundtrack for Harrow County, um, so it's not a super common thing, but I, it, to be perfectly honest, it, it never really occurred to me. <laughs> <laughs> like there's never been a moment where I've been working on something and I've been like, I should write music to go with this. Um, so you've, you're saying you've never been, you know, drawing comics, which is difficult enough as it is and saying, how can I make this harder on myself? <laughs> yeah, no, I guess not. That's an or writing question. music and saying, you know what, I should I should really <laughs> try to tie in something else to this because that's going to make things a lot easier for me right now. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, let me ask you, um, do you what? How do you feel like the response has been to your? Uh, we'll call them like soundtrack efforts, like the the theme well, songs that you've written are. for your books and stuff. And um, I feel like it's been mixed i'd never hear bad things okay which is fine like if someone had a criticism about it i would be you know i got thick skin about that kind of sure. stuff um because well just most recently uh, i was at c2e2 and i had made for my book packs of the low country i had made a soundtrack and i you know burned cds and made a little cd pack and all this other stuff for it and I've sold like a handful of past couple of years, but this past weekend I sold a whole bunch and people seem to be genuinely excited about it. So mm. I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, and I even think about that. And then like on the way in, 
to the show on Sunday, I'm like, you know, what? I haven't listened to this stuff <laughs> in forever. <laughs> Let me listen to it. Yeah. So I'm listening to it and I'm just like, I'm half of it. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't remember doing this. <laughs> and the other half <laughs> was like, I don't believe I did this, you know? Right. Cause for me, there's right. like, uh, for music, music is such a weird disconnect for me in terms of like, my brain from like the rest of like the creative side of my brain from the rest of me like I don't almost to a fault I don't like overthink a lot of it mm -hmm. I just kind of follow it down follow it down and, and 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 see where it comes of it and and do all these things you know I might overthink when it comes to mixing or something like that but when sure. it comes to the, the the general creation of it you know and I think that's because, for me, comics and music will always be forever linked at this point. Mm -hmm. There will mm -hmm. never be a project I do that is my own work that I don't produce some type of music for. I just don't see it. I just don't, don't see it happening. I have projects that, you know, I have, you know, half thumbnailed, half written, but I also have demos of things that I know we're going to go with that, you know. Right. And if there's things I'm having trouble with, you know, I have, you know, my digital sketchbook of riffs and things like that, that I can like just listen back to and like say, oh, you know what? This is, this is something that fits in here. And this is something that fits in here. So for me, yeah, they're, they're like forever linked. Even, right. even so much as this month I had on, on my Patreon with my comic, you know, every month I'm doing, a, I'm putting out a song to go with that month's pages. And mm -hmm. I had a song all planned, recorded, ready. It's been ready for a while. And then I woke up and I'm like, oh no, I got this one. So now I'm, <laughs> I'm scrambling to get this one, you know, done and fully formed because it just fits better. So sure. it's, it's, it's completely, you know, it's, when I asked you if like this scratch is the same, you know, a different itch. And for me, it's kind of like, I have to do both, you know? Sure. It's yeah. only like half, half of the equation for that. I think I'm a, a little bit different too in that. Um, well, I mean, I, you know, I know that you played in bands quite a bit in the past. Um, but like, I, you know, I've been playing guitar now for, uh, Jesus, over 25 years, you know, um, and I've been playing in bands for uh, over years. 20 years, <laughs> you know, um, and there's never really been a time where I haven't played in bands. So I, you know, I love playing music and I love playing in my band and I love playing shows, but the reality is, is I don't play guitar at home. Um, I don't really think about writing music very much when I'm at home. Um, that, you know, I, my band, we, we do a lot of writing in the practice space together and, and that's kind of when my brain goes into that mode. So I don't really sit at home and just play guitar. If I'm sitting at home and being creative, I'm drawing. Um, so my brain doesn't really link the two because their role in my life is is pretty different 
Okay. No, completely understandable. Because yeah. as as you know, as of right now, and probably for the foreseeable future, until I'm like fifty and I'm playing in a bar rock band on the <laughs> weekends to you know pass the time. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I I'm not in a band right now. You know, I'm a mm-hmm. one man operation. I don't even have a guitar amp. Everything I have is you know, my guitars and my basses and you know a couple pedals and that's it. And everything's just like direct into the computer and. Right, tweaked right. And, and managed there so i am so far removed away from <laughs> playing playing in you know out and in a band or having like a regular practice routine because uh, even though i do you know i think write a decent amount of music you know it is you know crammed into when i have time like th- oh yeah Absolutely. like this morning this yeah. morning you know i had 30 minutes and I'm like, well, this page I'm working on, to get into it, I'm gonna need more than 30 minutes. So let me sit down and work on this thing so I can pick up and drop off, you know, with music, it's easier to, for me to pick it up and drop it, you know, drop it and then move on to what I gotta do. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 if I was in the same position as you, I would say with, you know, having bands and having, the practice routine and all that, I would probably be in, in the same boat. Like I would probably have a little bit more of a separation, I think, mm-hmm. but I have everything in front of me at all times. Yeah. You know, yeah, of course. I can, you know, in the time it takes to open up my recording program, I can switch from penciling on penciling a page to writing something, writing a riff or something like that. And mm-hmm. I've, and I've, you know, it's probably incredibly inefficient. It is, it is incredibly inefficient. <laughs> um, not so much in the getting things started, but like in the, I'll literally be drawing a panel on my, uh, you know, digitally or whatever. And then just something pops in my head and I'm like, okay, I have to force myself to finish what I'm doing <laughs> and then pop over, you know, pull the, you know, pull the guitar down real quick, plug it in, figure out this thing in my head, put it back and then go back to the page. <laughs> right. But, you know, for, but, you know, it also is incredibly, um, how do I say it's, 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 I get a huge sense of satisfaction when I have like the completed project. Sure. And I have all sure, that. Yeah. Cause doing packs of the low country, which was a big, you know, almost 200 page graphic novel by the time it was done and having like 45 minutes of music, which was really me learning how to compose music that wasn't all you know, thrash songs, you know, it was this huge undertaking for me. And it's just, I have a huge sense of accomplishment with it. And I think maybe that's kind of rolling into my desire and my kind of feeding me to keep doing this because, you know, I feel like I'm only getting better at things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, especially with the stuff I've been doing lately, I feel like, you know, I, I feel like you, I feel like this is where I need to go as opposed to sure you know thinking no i need to sit down and do sample pages and you know draw spider-man swinging through the city and you know <laughs> and then i have you know friends tell me like hey like it seems like you didn't really want to draw these and it's like no i didn't so it's yeah you know, man i've been that, telling you that for years <laughs> kind of getting that realization of like you know you know and back to the best you know 
I have to keep going back and reminding myself of the best advice I ever got was do your own thing because no one else is ever going to do it for you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, and I'm glad I have friends that I can look at who have done that and be like, yeah, you know, this is, this is the right path to go through. This is, this, you know, emboldens me a little bit to be a little bit less scared about, you know, not trying to go down a traditional path or, you know, trusting myself more, you know, and you're one of those people who I look at, I'm like, you know what, Dave found his thing. He, you know, he went after it and, you know, I should too. Oh, well, thanks, man. I mean, I'm, I'm really glad that I could, uh, that I, well, well, that sounds kind of dumb, but I'm, you know, I'm really glad that like I could do that for you. You can, that's you a can, weird you can way say, to put you, it, you but can say, you can say you inspired me, Dave. It's okay. Sure. But I, you know, I mean like, you know, we pretty much have come up together. We're in the same quote unquote generation of, you know, comics guys, um, you know, we pretty much started making comics at the same time and um, pretty much started tabling at shows mm-hmm. at the same time. And, you know, it's I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that we can kind of as a community still do that for each other. If that makes sense. No, I, you know. it makes total sense because it's, you know, it's something often said in comics where it's like a lot of newer creators are kind of looking at the people past them like, oh, I need to be with this person. It's like you need to look you need to look at your peripheral and whether it's just striking mm-hmm. up a friendship or a collaboration, like these are the people you're going to be coming up with and these are the yeah. people you should be, you know, trying to invest relationships with. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And you yeah. know, and I'm, and I'm not trying to say it to make it sound like it's clinical because I think the relationships I, I do have in comics were ones that were formed more organically because there's people in comics where I thought like, oh man, you know, looking at my interests and that person's interests and all that, like we'd be like really good friends, and it's just like nothing. and it's like it's like it's and it's not like an ill will towards the person or like the person's a bad person or whatever it's just like oh no we don't we just don't have any kind of like you know personal connection yeah you know for sure despite having like 95 percent same interests (laughs) it is kind of rare to have a very intense personal connection and the same interests in the same scene like that like um, you know, I am feel fortunate, like all the time that Kelly and I became friends, you know, because really like, cause we do the two of us like hit all those boxes it, in my opinion, like we have the same interests, you know, we get along really well. We don't mind sitting next to each other for all day days in a row which is huge (laughs) and then sitting next to each other in the hotel room (laughs) all night for days in a row and like you know getting dinner and traveling sometimes yeah and and at this point like we get along so well but we also we've known each other for long enough and have gotten close enough that like 
we we do have an almost like familiar relationship at times where like I know we get on each other's nerves <laughs> but at the same time we're just like we're it, it's the crew right yeah like and it's it's rare to have that kind of thing and when you you do have that connection you kind of need to like latch onto it and not let it go you know like that's what we did with Marie like you know me and Kelly and Christian and Dave, we were certainly me and Kelly and Christian and well, <laughs> certainly me and Kelly and Christian and Dave. <laughs> um, we all had this tight group. And then like we just basically got introduced to Marie. This is Marie Anger for anybody listening. Doesn't know who I'm talking about. And we were just like, oh, she's one of us. And then all of a sudden we were just like, you're with us now. Um yeah, and that was a really, and, like, seems like a pretty sudden thing to where it was just, you know, you and Kelly and Dave and then, you know, Marie's there. And even this, the, this past C2E2, it was really weird not seeing all of you guys in a row <laughs> tabling. Yeah. It was just, like, one of those things where it's like, it's like, I'm so used to them. Like, I'm so used to seeing the four-star studio guys from Chicago all in sure. the main aisle. I'm so used to seeing you guys all all uh, bunched together, like you know, in one of the later rows. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was kind of weird not being there this year, and you you know, Marie didn't go either this year actually. Um, so it it did feel kind of weird. I mean, Marie went and did another show out in Boston, and I didn't do anything. So, in, in some ways, it kind of felt like breaking up the band a little bit but you know hopefully next when we year. all end up in the same room it's still at every time it's just like all right let's go we're this is, we're rolling your like, gang we're doing this together Art gang. yeah i mean at this point like you know i've collaborated collaborated with kelly i've collaborated with marie i haven't with dave i would love to but like dave I, in a lot of ways i feel like is like slumming it hanging out with us <laughs> you know like we love Dave and like don't like we're really tight friends, but like you know, Dave's worked on Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Dave's worked on Godzilla. Like Dave, Dave should be hanging he's, out. He's, with, he's, like, he's the big brother who's just like yeah, yeah. making sure you guys don't get into trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. No, I think yeah. I think that's you know an awesome thing that you guys have is, is this, you know, the, you know, for lack of a better term, this, you know, this art gang. <laughs> yeah. You got each yeah. other's backs and yeah, you, you're close enough to where, you know, you can have the, uh, the, you know, Dave's getting on my nerves about this. But then again, you know, with relationships like that, it's like, well, I'd rather have, Dave here getting on my nerves than like some other rando person like I have to deal with who I don't know. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean at you know at this point like even though Marie is like a we'll call her a newer addition to the family even though she's it's been years now um like I I do consider her to basically just be family. Like I think of her like she's my sister. Um, like, you know, when I was going through that period of like crazy life explosion that I was talking about before, like, 
she was one of the only people that like checked in on me regularly and half the time she would just send me like weird pictures of her birds (laughs) and like memes and weird funny pictures and stuff but you know it meant a lot just to know that she was there and making sure that I was okay you know what I mean yeah and like that's not something that a lot of people do and Brian Level is actually one of them too like when I was looking for an apartment at one point Brian Level like so I don't even know how this whole story but (laughs) Brian Level called on like called in a favor from like some old friend he had that lives in Albuquerque I have no idea and Brian Level tried to help me find an apartment. Wow. And, like, from that day forward, I was just like, Jesus, Brian, like, like I love Brian, and I love Aaron, and, you know, we were buds before that, but ever since then, I'm just like, you are one of the best people. Like, that dude tried to help me find an apartment <laughs> from halfway across the country. When, like, um, that's just... That's no, so generous, I, and that's that's not something anybody else would ever do. You know, I say I say wow, but like I totally believe it because um, most very recently, you know, I was going through a rough time myself, and I was doing a lot of remodeling on my house on myself, and it was just really, it was just really hard on me. You know, I had a lot of work to do, and I wasn't getting you know, and I'm telling Brian about it, and he's like dude do i do i need to come up and like help out with like paint um, paint like for like a weekend or something like let me know yeah and i'm like what like you're like yeah six hours away in a car like dude what what <laughs> and he would have done yeah. it. i know i fully know he would he would have just you know dr- dragged his his whole self up here and you know you know help me paint my house and then you know draw kick-ass comics <laughs> at night or whatever yeah yeah, and absolutely. It's, he, it's, he absolutely would have. Brian, Brian's one of those, like, so intensely genuine people that it's almost, it's almost, like, shocking every time, even though it's, you know, you're, we know that he's just, he's just a really good person, and he's a person who, you know, practice what he preaches, and he's always been nothing short of, like, just kind and you know so it's yeah yeah it's great that you know and i'm I'm glad that you know we both had this experience with him because you know it kind of shows the 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 small world of you know comics you know how that really is because sure there's plenty of people who you know we don't know at shows and things like that but if you you know look at each other's circles long enough you're gonna find overlap everywhere Mm mm-hmm and I think that's really yeah. cool. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Dave. So, you know, I've really enjoyed this chat with you. Uh, is there anything upcoming that you would like to talk about? Anything, you know, we need to keep our eyes open for? Or, and on top of that, is there any, you know, this being the Comics Coffee Metal podcast, is there anything you're enjoying in those realms lately that you kind of want to talk about? Because 
That's funny. I was actually just about to make a joke and be like, Don, I feel lied to. We did not talk about coffee. We did not Brian, talk about Brian, metal. Brian, last episode, <laughs> made sure we, we jammed it in there in the end. So, you know, if it, uh, I just didn't want to start off every podcast with, tell me about comics, coffee, and metal. No. <laughs> you know, but right. you know what? It's, it's, it's something we all love. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, in terms of, like, work coming up, um, I don't have a ton I that is like slated to come out. Um, I have a lot of work that's in the bag and is kind of like, well, we'll see when it sees the light of day. But um, I know Brian mentioned uh, Andy Eschenbach on his podcast. And so uh, Andy, I might be spilling the beans here, <laughs> but like Andy is working on a uh anthology where he's writing all of these body horror shorts and having uh different artists you know illustrate them comics you know um so i uh i did one of those for andy um mine is called hot dog um if you follow me on instagram or on facebook or whatever uh, no doubt you saw me you know, about a year ago, posting a lot of pictures of hot dogs <laughs> and weird, almost like grotesque um, things. And so that's what that was for. And um, as of right now, I don't know if there's a plan for getting it out. I know he is still working on it. I know he's still getting pages from people. At one point, it was talking about a Kickstarter or maybe approaching a publisher, but as far as that's all Andy, so I'm just kind of letting, waiting and seeing what happens with that. Um, I recently cre uh, finished a project with a friend of mine who designs toys. Um, and he designed this line of kind of metal, heavy metal style, Japanese vinyl toys. Um, they're all kind of animal creatures um and he wrote like a little storybook this kind of story of two of these characters and um he had me illustrate it so it's kind of like storybook style like pinup drawings of basically like these anthropomorphic monsters fighting nice. which was uh super fun to do and, uh, you know, kind of talking about, like, the Valk thing earlier, like, the things I learned from doing that, like, I, uh, I definitely got to bring some Kirby to this project, even though it's, like, metal animals fighting and it's lots of splatter. That sounds and, pretty Kirby to me. <laughs> you know, yeah, but it's, I, I got some Kirby in there. Um, I'll have to send you the pages when I remember. Um, and... Yeah, that's about it. You know, I did that shirt for for Donnie, like we started off talking about, and that uh, is available now. Um, it's available through Nakatomi, um, who, you know, they do, like, Robert Wilson's posters and stuff like that. Um, and other than that, you know, just doing some band merch and logos and drawing you know gross dripping corpses you know 
The one I did last night, my coworker was like, that was a juicy one. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, uh, that was that's, a juicy that's one. That's your new banner quote. That's, that was a juicy <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I'm actually, you know, moving forward, trying to, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of trying to break out of the rut of comic shows that makes sense like i'm not gonna stop doing them i'm already actually you know booked to do rose city later this year um, i'm probably gonna go back to memphis again but i'm trying to mix it up and do some conventions and expos that aren't comic centric um so uh this won't be out before the I do this because I'm doing this in two days, but I'm doing like, you know, the Oddities and Curiosities Expo okay. in Albuquerque, which is uh, people selling animal skulls and <laughs> bones and there's artists and it's this kind of, you know, essentially art expo of people kind of doing uh, stuff in the same vein uh, that I'm doing, you know, but it's not comics. Um, I am planning on doing, uh, Mad Monster, which is a, a horror convention in Arizona. Um, I'm planning on doing that this summer. So I, I'm trying to do that sort of thing just to kind of expand, I guess. No, um, I, it, reach a, bro- a broader audience, it makes total you know, sense. it makes complete and total sense. Yeah, I I mean I think so. And it's interesting because you know, I, I for these other conventions, I'm not even bringing my comics. Um at least not to this one I'm I'm doing coming up. It's I'm just I'm bringing art, I'm bringing shirts, I'm bringing prints, you know, um I'm bringing merch and you know, I it, it's kind of not a more focused approach but it's a differently focused approach for the different audience. I think you're going to so. I think you're going to do real well there and I hope to uh hear that you've, you know, did gangbusters especially with the, you know, the prints and the shirts and and all that. I think that's definitely uh a smart thing to, you know, try to branch out to because comic conventions can be very hit and miss. Sure. And having, you know, I, I have no experience with like an oddities or a horror convention or anything like that, but I would be, you know, less surprised, you know, to find out, you know, people would probably spend more money at those types of things because it's a, because they are kind of niche. Right. So the people who are there are going to be even more intensely passionate than comic fans who are already intensely passionate. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. Like, it's totally uncharted territory for me. So, you know, like this weekend, I'm kind of like, this is the kind of thing that people go into to spend money. But if somebody has 300 bucks in their pocket and they want to buy an elk skull with fucking huge-ass antlers, Mm -hmm. are they going to have any money left over to buy some of my art? I don't know. Also, Uh, I have to imagine if table costs are cheaper. (laughs) Uh, yes and no. Okay. It depends. I, I, some of the ones I've looked into are actually more expensive. Oof. Okay. But, 
you know, I, it's hard to say, you know, it's like these people going to the horror convention, uh, you know, are they going to have money to buy one of my shirts after they buy a vintage Halloween poster? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, we're going to find out, <laughs> you know, but so, yeah, that's what I have like work wise coming up. Um, uh, let's see metal. Oh, geez. I don't know. I listen to so, so much. Yeah. I, I was, <laughs> I'm, al- I'm always buying records. Um, usually when you post something, you know, I always have to like go and just like check them out just to see if that's one of the overlaps we have because we don't have a right. ton of bands that overlap or I guess necessarily styles. Um, but sometimes there's some hits. So I always have to make sure yeah. if you're posting something or Brian's posting something or Kelly's posting something like, okay, let me see who this is. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, um, I tend to veer on the more extreme side than either of those guys more often than not. Um, I, there's a lot of overlap between me and Brian and me and Kelly, certainly. Um, but there's definitely some stuff I listen to that I know is just unpalatable, (laughs) even for metal fans. Um, you know, um, I'm trying to think of like what I've been listening to recently a lot. Um, I've actually, I've been listening to the last Napalm Death record a lot. Um, it was called Apex Predator Easy Meat, and it, it came out a couple years ago, but I think since they are touring and they just are definitely going to be putting out a new album soon, I've kind of been in the mood. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been listening to that one a lot. Um, you know, honestly, like the last High on Fire record um, called Electric Messiah, Yeah, I, I got super, super into um which is weird because I'm actually not a big high on fire fan, but that record just like is so good. It's just wild and unhinged and you know, um Matt Pike sounds like he's a homeless person under a bridge <laughs> screaming about the apocalypse. It's just like it's awesome. It just rips. Nice. Um I've been listening to a lot of Motorhead <laughs> recently. I've been on a real Motorhead kick. Um, I was I was on one of those about a year ago myself. Yeah, it's real easy. It's real easy to get into a Motorhead kick. Um, other than that, yeah, I mean, like I, I, I just I listen to a lot of death metal and a lot of. You know, black metal and. I, don't know, I came across this band not that long ago called um, Asagram. And they're an all-female black metal band from, like, Germany or something. They're, uh, they're pretty great. Just, uh, just got a new record from this band called, um, Sentient Divide. And they're just, you know, kind of gross, cavernous death metal. Um. Oh, here's one that you might actually like. Uh, there's this band called Enforced. Enforced. And Enforced, we actually maybe even talked about them already, but, you know, they're very much in that power trip vein of, like, real throwback thrash style. 
Except uh, their singer just like sounds like super pissed off all the time. No, I think we tweeted about this. Yeah, I think you you brought them up, and I'm like, hey, yeah, these are good. This is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those guys rip pretty hard. They're pretty great. So I guess that's it for like them. them. I could do that. that know, that's a, that's a, we're those people that like we could talk about this sort of thing forever. Um, well, we we actually kind of funny talking like, about like guitar gear and all that. That's gonna be a separate podcast. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's funny. Um, you know, we both know uh, Daniel Warren Johnson a little bit. Yeah. Um, when I first met Daniel, I was wearing an Iron Maiden shirt, and he started talking to me about Carcass, who I'm also a huge fan of, and. Ever since then, every time I see Daniel, every single time, he asks me what I'm listening to (laughs) and asks me if I've heard something that he is really into at the moment. It's like every time I see Daniel and he's just like, dude, have you heard the Outer Heaven record or whatever it might be? You know, Um, it's just funny because like, it's been years now a couple of times a year i gotta have the like metal conversation with daniel so you know going into shows where i know i'm gonna see him i always try and have a couple <laughs> like on deck you know well, I, you know just to, like, that, that's that's the thing like you with comics and metal people is like we love what we love and it's you know again all the bands that I'm really digging, like you would probably be like, no, not for me, but you know, it's all still metal, you know? And Mm -hmm. I've I've mentioned Mm -hmm. this before on previous shows, like, you know, there's so many different genres of metal that, you know, it's like its own ecosystem (laughs) almost. (laughs) I mean, and you can all, you can, you can kind of circle most people's, you know, Venn diagram of like, most people can agree on like one of the big four thrash bands. Like, yeah, I'll, you know, that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the bands I started with, you know, or so on oh, and yeah, so forth. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, the big four more importantly than being good bands, because it could be argued that they're not all great. Certainly all of their output is not great. But more than anything, they are the four that are, like, the gateway for so many people. Yeah. You know, like, I. unless you got into metal in the 70s, one of the first bands that you got into was Metallica. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it goes. Yeah. You know? Me- it's like, they're the, they're the gateway, because they were the ones that were big enough. Yeah. That... And their vocals you know, weren't... Were, Tom Mariah screaming. They weren't, you know, right. Joey Belladonna screeching. They weren't Dave, you know, Mustaine snarling. You know, they were mm-hmm. they were more palatable yeah. to the average person. Um, sure. Let me ask you this yeah. then. Let's pivot away a little bit. Yeah. You got the big four: Metallica, Anthrax, Megadeth, Slayer. Who do you take away from there and put in as you know more appropriate? You think. Oh, or do you think that geez. that big four is appropriate? Because it's, it's it, you I, can't you can't argue that those four aren't the most f- successful. Right. 
but oh uh, man, I think it's I think it's really tough because it depends on what you're talking about. It de- if you're talking about accessibility and being the gateway, I don't know that you have a bigger gateway for certainly American heavy metal, right? Um, I think it could definitely be argued that Megadeth and Anthrax could go away mm-hmm. and be replaced by Iron Maiden and Judas Priest, right? I mean, mm-hmm. something like that. That's interesting. Um, I actually am not a huge Slayer fan, but it, they're like the nirvana of metal, right? Like yeah. they're just too important to be ignored, whether you like them or not. Yeah. Um. Whew, that's a tough question. If you're no, talking I, about no, quality, you gave me you gave like, me an excellent <laughs> answer. Like you put Iron Maiden and Judas Priest with Metallica and Slayer, it's like it's it's hard to like argue that. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, well, in my brain I'm I, thinking, well, I'd swap Anthrax with Testament and mm-hmm. but you know, that's more of a, probably more of a personal preference thing. Cause I don't know, you know, cuz Testament's one of those bands that they start off really strong, they kind of like were fine but like the most recent output in the past few years has just been like, holy shit. Like how old are these guys? Like they're just kicking ass. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, for me, like I, I actually just tweeted about this like last week, I think, but for me, I think like bolt bolt thrower is better than Slayer, Megadeth and Anthrax and half of Metallica's catalog. (laughs) You know, I but bolt thrower is bolt a blind thrower, spot for me. I'll have to, I'm gonna have to dig in and and check these guys out. Yeah, man. I mean, they, like, granted, they do sway a little bit more to the the death side. They're British, so that's a hurdle for American people too. They're just they're less accessible. They never had the level of it, of success either. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like quality, they should be up there. Like, they should have the acclaim. Of all those other bands, I think. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, then, as you, you uh, I don't want to disappoint you, so I have to ask, what kind of coffee you've been drinking lately? Do you have a specific brand you go to every time, or is this kind of like whatever's on sale? <laughs> um, we get our coffee from a local coffee roaster. So, uh, no specific brand. Um, we go to Michael Thomas Coffee in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I just kind of uh, look at the wall. <laughs> they they kind of roast in small batches, so it's all fresh and it's all well roasted. And I just kind of look at the wall when I go in, and pick two that I think look good. Nice. I wish yeah and I then, wish uh, we had something more yeah. like that around here. That's the uh, problem with living in the burbs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, so yeah, no, no brand or anything. Just do you, do you prefer uh, like a darker roast or like a lighter, more like a acidic? Um, I actually just straight medium. Okay. Like I don't, I don't. If it gets too roasted and it gets too dark, I don't like it. Okay. I like light roasts when they are fresh and very hot, but once they start to cool, I don't like them quite as much. Okay. So I tend to go straight medium because. It uh, maintains its flavor and uh, holds up, you know, over the cooling process. And uh, I don't have to worry about drinking it right away. And I don't have to worry about treating it because it tastes burnt. Awesome. (laughs) 
it, it's some good uh some good inside baseball on uh your preferences <laughs> no no it's great i love i love yeah. knowing this kind of stuff about people just because also, it's so it seems so like not necessarily frivolous but it's like like it's just their coffee but it's like it seems but everyone's like so specific and like it's kind of deeply personal like no this is <laughs> this is what i like right especially with Le- you like not this because when it gets cold i don't like it <laughs> <laughs> right legit the best the best piece of like coffee advice i give anybody is get a good grinder and grind your beans as freshly as possible it's like it's night and day if you get a good grinder and grind them right before you you brew them it doesn't matter what you're brewing them in it tastes so much better like that freshness now are you, you know? one of the people who are like automatic coffee makers or devil pour over no. only or french press only or um no i I have pour over methods. I have a Chemex. I have a single surf pour over. I have an AeroPress, but the fact of the matter is, is I don't have time yeah. <laughs> to do the Chemex in the morning. I gotta just get the coffee maker going, hit go, shower, eat breakfast, all this stuff. Like it takes time, and I will say that the Chemex does make pretty much the best cup of coffee I've ever had, but. I don't have the time for that. I don't have the energy for that most of the time. Not, so that's not every like, cup you, do, you have has to be the best cup. <laughs> yeah. Has to, so has the to Chemex is the Chemex is for like the weekend. Okay. When I got some time, if I wake up before the girlfriend a little bit early and I have time to kind of like make my own cup of coffee, you know. Yeah. That, that that's when the Chemex comes that, out. That, yeah, it's kind of like me and my wife. We um, you know, we have we buy Javalia store bought pre-ground just because with two kids uh two little kids <laughs> in the morning oh yeah the yeah. the fastest <laughs> route from uh you know brew to in our systems <laughs> is always the best one. <laughs> but occasionally yeah, we'll, we'll go and we'll find uh you know we'll find a, a, a nice bag we each prefer because she likes some of the more flavored ones i like just trying different you know darker more kind of like chocolatey type blends mm-hmm. and uh and then and then we'll do a french you know we'll grind it and do a french press and you know something like that but uh, i've been i've been yeah. considering the pour overs but i'm like it just seems like a lot of work for not a lot of effort right now <laughs> for more effort than i'm really yeah. put through right now <laughs> no that's fair and like you know when i worked at home i was chemex every day but like I worked at home, so I could do it. Yeah. I had the time. I didn't, I didn't need to get my pot grew, brewed, so I could get out the door and go to work. You know, so there's there's a balance there, but even then, like getting decent beans and grinding them as freshly as possible still makes a big difference. Um, but I that I can attest to. Yes, that is. Yeah. If you can do it, do it because yeah for sure and also it just makes your house smell that much more amazing (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's true that is definitely true all right dave well i really enjoyed this chat i like getting into the nitty-gritty of your process on things and the nitty-gritty of how you make your coffee (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> yeah, man, same. I've been looking forward to this, so I'm glad we finally yeah, got to do yeah, it. Yeah, I've been – this is what, probably been like a year in the making, us actually sitting down and doing this. <laughs> and um, uh, I think it was like maybe six months ago that we first talked about it. Well, it feels like – So it's not that probably, it's not uh, that Probably a year since I had the idea <laughs> to like, yeah, I have Dave on the show. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's definitely been a long time coming. Hopefully it won't be uh, that long before we have a chance to chat again. Yeah, man, I'd love to. All right, Dave. Um, is there anything you want to say before we go, or are we good? Uh, well, um, where where can people find you online? Yeah, I was just gonna say on Twitter and Instagram, I am at that Dave Jordan. That's T H A T D A V E J O R D A N, and um, yeah, that's the best place to find me. Twitter and Instagram. I am on Facebook, but it's just basically stuff reposted from the other places. And uh, if you follow me on Twitter, yes, I post about new metal records a lot. <laughs> so you'll frequently see me saying something totally rips with, like, you know, a Spotify or Bandcamp link. All right. Well, Dave, thanks again. Thank you, Don. It's a real pleasure. Thanks for listening. This episode of the Comics Coffee Metal Podcast was brought to you by my patrons, John Dudley and Mark Warner. If you would like to become a patron and get access to exclusive comics, artwork, music downloads, early access to this podcast, and all sorts of other goodies, please go to www.patreon.com slash Art. Be sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Art, And I will see you next time.